Hey, everybody. Um, we're going to pick up on my conversation with Pete Wells in, in progress. But I want to say that I'm going to do a special thing this week. So I'd recorded a podcast with Chris McQuarrie, and it's great and amazing and a really vintage kind of episode of the moment. But Pete Wells wrote this review about Peter Luger last week that has just been like huge news all over the country and Pete and I are friendly and he came in to have this conversation and I want to get it up here now while we are engaged with this conversation. So here's what we're going to do. Today is Pete Wells and I'm going to do a special thing and tomorrow we'll put up Chris McQuarrie so that this way you'll get both episodes, new episodes, listen to them as you want, but I wanted to get both out there into the world and I think rather than holding Chris for another week, let's just say 24 hours you get Chris McQuarrie, but right now you get to dive into this great, fascinating, it wasn't really contentious conversation with Pete, but we uh, absolutely disagree because I love Peter Luger. I, it's, I, I think it's the best steakhouse in the world, and he does not think so, and, and you can hear why when we talk now. We're picking up in progress, uh, talking about a bunch of other stuff, which I loved because it gives you a sense of, of who Pete Wells is. All right, everybody, uh, enjoy. What do you Well, think? my old approach was just keep drinking it until my, I don't, my I, head starts I go through periods apart. of no. mellowing out on that. No, I go through periods. I went through, I went through, um, I went four months this year with no coffee after nine in the morning. Uh-huh. It was great. That's kind of where I'm going right now. It's great. Yeah, uh-huh. You th- it's great. You have so much more energy and everything. And I'm off it now. But I did four months of it. And now, and I reduced, so even now, maybe I'll just have one more cup than that. I'm done. Right. I've fixed it. Right. Right. I've, I kind of, I got to a point where I realized like, you know, I normally make two cups at once, drink one, drink the other. And I realized that that was all I needed really to be whole. To what do like you, an, yeah. an entire person. Well, you know, I've you named know? the first cup of coffee of the day. What? It's called the Royale. Because it just changes your life so much for the better, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm. It, it's like more than that to me. It's like I'm. I'm like this puddle on the floor, and it's sort of like is like this puppet string that picks me up, and then suddenly I'm a little marionette. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, you go from being an inert, barely alive right. thing. I have like to being animated limbs and a head and a mouth that can go up and down. No, I. I do you trust anyone in your house to make the coffee? Like, can your kids make the coffee? No one's ever asked. They all kind of pretend like this is some like rocket science ritual. What do you do? You How know? do you make your coffee? You can get on mic. How do you make coffee? Well, right, like, This is like, the part where you're going to seem like a human like, being. Because like, yeah, you'll seem like a human now oh, to yeah, people. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, if we talk I about mean, how you make your coffee. Um, lately, I've been uh, doing a Chemex. Um, uh, and actually, like I resisted the way your coffee thing because it just sounds like the most affected, precious, ridiculous thing in the world. And then I tried it once and I realized that it was sort of like a way to do it without thinking. It's like the numbers tell you when you're done and you don't need to sit there saying, oh, I think I need a little more. Gra-. Right. Like, you weigh you know, it and the, then you're set. The, the, like the numbers tell you it's not fussy. It's like it's like there are so many ways to screw up your coffee when you're not awake yet. You know, there are so many things. you oh, can, I've knocked over Man, yes. pots and cups and, and I've like poured... I've poured like beans into coffee filters. I've done all those I've, things, like, but it's much better. So I've decided I've lately gone back to drip because I'm not going to fuck it up. 
if I clean the drip machine and I clean the filter and I grind the beans fresh, which I do every morning, then, and I put in clean water, you know, and I feel like I know that the floor uh, is going to be what it's going to be. Now, the ceiling, it may not be as great as the best French press I make, which is what I did for 10 years, but the floor is such that this the coffee is going to be really solid. Right. Now, how do you grind? What do you use an electric? A burr grinder, like an electric By burr hand? grinder. Oh, no, an electric, electric burr right, grinder. Right, 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 right. Um, I used to use an electric grinder, and my family rebelled. They bought me a hand grinder. Because of the noise? Like, yeah, they were like, oh, you're ruining our mornings. And I was like... There won't be any morning if Daddy doesn't have coffee. Yeah, give Dad his coffee. Yeah. No, Amy will loves coffee too. The two of us get up early. We always have. We're both writers and um, making that coffee and grinding the beans. The, the grinding the beans fresh is way more important to me than Chemex, French press, drip. It's so funny because I haven't been able to detect a huge difference. I think maybe on day 12 when like my... You know, they don't even sell you a pound anymore because they're afraid that you're going to be using stale coffee, right? Right. So they, so they, give you, they sell you 12 ounces at a time, and then you have to grind some more. But, like, at the bottom of my 12 ounces, maybe it's not quite as good as the first of the gr- No, but I'm saying you grind but it every grind morning, right? No, I grind. I take the 12-ounce thing as I'm leaving the store, dump it in their grinder, take well, it out. And I have not noticed that I'm drinking noticeably shitty coffee. Well, it's it not seems, shitty necessarily. It seems like good enough for me. Well, Maybe but, not good enough for Brian Koppelman. No, I good, think this gets right Pete to Wells. that's hilarious for Pete Wells to say, "Hey, this is the moment." I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. My guest today is the most controversial food writer in America, uh, especially this week, Mr. Pete Wells. Um, but no, man, it goes right to this conversation, and I'm I'm, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff as we start here, but. Now, this goes right to the conversation, which is, to me, when you grind fresh, what happens is the room starts smelling a coffee ahead of time. Mm. And you are put mentally in a state of mind, much like you could get put in walking into your favorite steakhouse, which is when you smell this stuff oh, and you take in, yeah. That smell, walking into a restaurant, any restaurant that smells like food. The right Thing so like walking into a steakhouse in particular to me a particular steakhouse too in Brooklyn for me anyway it immediately hits me and the endorphins start and it's the same thing so yeah you and I might just taste coffee in a separate room and there might be little difference between coffee that was ground six days ago and this morning but if I start by grinding the coffee and now the coffee starts filling the room, now I'm anticipating the coffee. Now I have a relationship going on with what's happening. I'm transported. And so I'm helping myself along, but I don't I don't mind that. It's all part of the thing, right? It's all lovely, but you're allowed to use a, a, an electric coffee grinder in your house, which I am not. So I had the, the hand grinder and and it almost drove me insane. Yes. You know, it, it was so slow. So much slower than I thought, and then I had a handle that kept popping off. And this was the, you know, the the Japanese model that was recommended to me by my favorite coffee snob, Oliver Strand, and and he said this is the one you got to get. I it it was like it was like a peat trap that was designed to like lure me in and make me lose my mind. Of course, I understand all of that, and I understand why then you might just use the electric one at night. All getting it all done. Yeah, just get ahead of time. Wake up in the morning. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So, um, then this is great. I'm glad we started here because 
Although I did say this week you're the most controversial food writer. You're also the most important food writer in the country, and that's not even uh, something that one can debate. And and I'll tell you, there's something you don't you don't know, which is um, before you and I met, I, I wanted to dislike you because uh, you know you'd made some friends of mine miserable at at various times and very happy at other times. Um, but it turns out that you and I share a lot of interests and. We become pals, and we eat together sometimes, and communicate. And um, I really enjoy spending time with you. And um, and I, I kind of wanted to start with what it feels like to sometimes be the subject of so much heightened emotion when you're a person who loves music and books and sharing experiences with your friends and sharing dining experiences with new people. You're you know generous of spirit in life, but uh, but you reacted to in a different way. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I want to say right at the top also, I wildly disagree with your Peter Luger review. And I'm, I think I pretty much disagree with the whole idea of takedowns. And I want to talk about that, but I want to start with you oh, as a human. I want to start with you as a human subject. being. That's a, that's a, that, I mean, I don't even know if, if we had an idea of takedowns like 10 years ago, it seems like a, like a, a an internet concept to me, but let's, let's get back to that. So, yeah, you're totally right. It's there's something really at the minimum disorienting about being a writer critic and, and and being used to the one filtering the ideas, expressing the ideas and then suddenly finding everybody else's words and ideas directed at you. It's 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 real. It's like no <laughs> no 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 no. I'm I'm not real. I'm just I'm just here writing this stuff. Don't 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 mind me. Um uh I will say the 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 Peter Luger response well, there was very little ad hominem stuff. I mean I I get that sometimes like any anybody who puts uh puts themselves out there gets you know, ad hominem attacks sometimes, but but not with Luger. It was it was really different. It was because, well because you felt there was uh, you, you felt you got reaction from people that uh, agreed with. Well, yes, that. But also, I think everyone everyone realized that Peter Luger is more interesting than Peter Wells. You know that like like there was an actual thing to talk about here, which was Luger has gone downhill agree or disagree you know and 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 that and that proceeded along those lines where a lot of times i'm writing about places that my readers haven't been to yet and they may never get there or they or they may i'm telling them they should go i'm telling them they maybe should wait but often they haven't been there peter luger ah it's been there so long it's a perfect thing to write about because everyone has been and the people who haven't been have an opinion but what did it feel like to you when so many people you respect, so many chefs and restaurateurs basically came out and said, well, Pete Wells has proven he, he doesn't really know any. You know, like... When did they do that? A lot I of, missed that. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> a lot of restaurateurs took to social media. A lot of restaurateurs, like, spoke to Eater. I mean, you know, these... I didn't read that. I mean, I do kind of... I do kind of try to avoid that because it gets in my head and it yeah. makes me. I mean, I have a, I have another deadline to worry about, so I, I, I do. Yes. I don't read all my. Well, clips. I'll say it's clear to me that a lot of restaurateurs um, felt like you missed what is essential, and this is what I feel. Yeah. That you missed what is essential um, about Peter Luger. That almost by getting lost in your take on their brusque service. 
Um, like I saw one restaurateur chef online say to demand that something be the same on both sides. Like they were, the way you talked about the steak, you wanted it you, you, oh, evenly yeah. cooked. Yeah. And someone was saying, well, the greatest things ever are not even. They're oh, yeah. bumpy and rough and weird. And yeah. there, there, isn't there something essential about what Peter Luger's is beyond just a place that serves food that matters? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's why I wrote about it because it does matter. I mean, that's why it's a great subject. Uh, uh, but I've also waited a while till I felt ready to, to take it on. But I knew, I always knew I was going to write about it at some point. I didn't know that it was going to come out the way it did until I went back uh, and had that burger experience that I described where, like, I sat at the bar and then I looked to my right and there were two people with burgers with a little pink cow, which means medium rare, and they were all cooked completely differently, like completely. And uh, and one of them was medium well at best, and the and mine was kind of all over the place, you know. And then the person farthest away from me, of course, so I couldn't get a bite, had the perfectly cooked medium rare burger. And did you feel, when you looked around the room, that most people there were not having a great time at Peter Luger's? I did feel that. I, 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 and that is a new experience to me. I mean, I'll tell you something. It's the first place i've the first time i've this this year is the first time i've gone in there and felt the way that i felt in certain restaurants in paris where you walk in and they you open your mouth and they hear your accent and they send you upstairs have you ever had that experience yes right. in paris for sure right. yeah where, where it's like uh, uh, yeah yeah and i felt like that was going on at peter luger for the first time ever there are people standing around who are just the funniest place that valued. happens is patsy's the I've never Patsy's, seen that you know, in the fifties, where Sinatra used to go, because they have that upstairs that is like, and if uh, you're not one of those, re- they're regular businessmen, and you happen to go in, boom, you're going there, yeah, yeah. right up. It's a great, I mean, anyway, legendary old place that I, if you come to New York and want an old red sauce joint, like people should go there, but it is like that yeah. where you get banished. And I but don't you felt people Luger at Peter Luger. Would, I remember everybody being sort of equally abused in the old in the old days, and I think maybe. You know, being in Michelin hasn't been so good for them because it's um, there's a foreign tourist who I think they want their business, but they're not really re- happy to see them. Happy to see them is a stupid thing to say about Peter Luger, but you know, there's there's gruff, and then there's you know. Uh, Something else, which was I was trying to get at there, that I think the service has dropped down a notch from charming to not so charming. Yeah, again, I, I, I have not had that experience there. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, it's great that you get to go to the good Peter Luger that I used to love. I'm actually very. But I don't, I don't get to go there because um, no. You know? But I don't, it's not no, that I get you, to. Well, for as long as you like it, it's a subjective thing. For as long as you like it and you can remain in love with it, that's awesome. You know. Yeah, but the question is: Are we looking at? Are we looking through prisms that are so different that there was no chance that you would like the restaurant? Like I, I used to. So. I mean, Did I, you ever write I think about if it we in had that talked, way? I think if we had talked about it 
a year ago, we would have been on the same page. It was well, we did. We talked about of, it. We went to another steakhouse together. Oh yeah, that's right. That yeah, was, but I know that I'd already started. I'd already started like looking under the hood, you know. Yeah. At that point, um, um, and it's a different thing, you know. I do, I do, I do go in, you know, try to treat everybody equally. So yeah, if the shrimp cocktail doesn't taste like shrimp, I'm going to notice it. But there are certain things, like when you talked about, and then I have a bunch of stuff about how you got good at your job, and I and I do think you're an incredibly good writer, like the the best, uh, you know, sentence for sentence prose writer, interesting sentences, interesting takes than anyone who's done your job at the Times in a very long time, and um, and so you're a joy to read. Uh, and I've watched personally how seriously you take it. So I've had restaurateurs sort of wonder about that. I've heard them, you know. Uh, and I've actually said to a few of them, you should see Pete do his job. He actually really cares. That doesn't mean you're right all the time, by the way, right? Uh, because the two things aren't necessarily the same. Like being rigorous, being thoughtful, being careful, and being right aren't always necessarily – they're not always necessarily lined yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, what would that even mean, being right all the time? No, I, I, I agree. But um, – yeah, no one can be like um, in what they do, right? I've I've been involved in movies that haven't worked, and I've worked incredibly hard on on those um, movies. But but this is what I was gonna say, right? I showed you this thing that my son said, and I want to go further on it, which is when you talked about the cream spinach, and you talked about how it had uh, beef. What is it? What what is it made of? Oh. This amazing chicken fat and flour. Right. So I, that was just on Instagram to be to be clear that I didn't do that in the review itself. But but like, I just thought that was an interesting little fact that I'd never known before, and I just kind of wanted that out there. But I didn't put it in the review. Sure, but but if you were somebody who grew up loving, yeah, loving the cream spinach at Peter yeah. Luger and the Peter Luger sauce, and this is the point that Sam made, which yeah. was. If, if you are someone who, like right in the top of the review, you say Peter Luger sauce, which is horseradish, corn syrup, and, and yeah. tomatoes, right? Ketchup or whatever. Right. If, if you don't like that essential thing that's so much a part of it, how – and yet thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people love it, right? Um, and, and you, by your own admission, that doesn't work for you. Yeah. And that's a part of the – that's what I'm talking about, the essence of the place. And that's a part of the essence of what this place is. Then what what are you reviewing and who are you reviewing it for? Well, I never liked the steak sauce. But I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think everybody goes there. In fact, I looked around to see if people were slathering their steaks with the sauce. Nobody was doing that. Is that what your family does? You they put it on. Freaks. Well, first of all, they put it on the tomato and onion, right? Because that's what it's really for. That's what they. Well, that's what they say. They put it on the tomato say, yeah, and onion. Yeah, they say it goes in the Bloody Marys. They, you know. But then they sell a tremendous amount of it. Yes, they do. People buy it yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And no, you use it as a, a condiment occasionally to dip your steak in, but it's very essential to the place. Yeah. I mean, I'm not As saying is that should, kind of cream spinach. I'm not saying they should fix it. I'm just saying I don't want to eat it. <laughs> like, and maybe it, I mean, right. I mean, I, you know, I think I, I uh, you know, one of the things I was trying to do in that review is say, like, look, there are certain givens 
that have not changed, and and then there are other things that I think have changed. Right, uh, but would you? That's what I guess. Good. You know, I'm glad you right? framed it that way because I, what I read was, and I think boy, it, I wish this. I, what I read was, boy, I wish this wasn't their steak sauce, which for a Peter Luger, for for someone who's been. Like, you know, their whole life going there or for the hundred years that place has been in existence and that's what they've done. That is like saying um, you don't like a lollipop, so you're not going to watch Kojak. It's like reviewing Kojak if lollipops make you sick. You shouldn't review, you shouldn't review Kojak. It's too upsetting to me. What yeah. is that stick coming out of his mouth? Right. Um, uh, I don't like any steak sauce. If Does that help? Yes. I mean, I don't think steak... So I don't think sauce belongs on steak. I think it's it's crazy to do. I mean, maybe once in a while. I mean, I like Bernays, and I but I don't want. I don't really want sauce on my steak. I don't think that's was never why I went. And it's sort of I'm sort of dumbfounded that anyone actually goes there for the steak sauce. Right. That would be crazy. Although I welcome crazy. People in the world, and of like, course, you know, we <laughs> well, wait, no, like to me, I guess that's like what, the way I react to people who put ginger on their um, sushi. Oh, right. But, well, I can't right. understand people who put ginger on their sushi. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any. It, it makes no sense to me. But, but I get if it tastes delicious to them, then that's that's great. I so, mean, I think yeah. pickled, pickled. I like pickled ginger. I like the taste of it. I wouldn't put. Oh, them I love together, it too. But, yeah, I wouldn't put them together. Yeah. So, uh, day before yesterday, someone who matters a lot to me said, you know what's really underrated? A great night's sleep. And it's true. We don't think about it except when we haven't gotten enough sleep or when we finally get that great night's sleep. And this isn't just an opinion. I mean, if you listen to these studies from Harvard and Hopkins, chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease. Look, we need eight hours of sleep. And one of the reasons people can't sleep is temperature. This is true with me. It is tough to get a good night's sleep if I'm too hot. And I hear about this all the time. Like, I need to get the temperature just right. And that's why I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers. They tracked like 43 million hours of sleep. And this thing combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. So if you like the bed cool and your partner likes it warm, now you can have both at the same time in a super crazy comfortable bed. You can sleep longer and deeper, wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. And here's the thing. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They already sold out of the first two batches. They're going fast. For a limited time, you can get 150 bucks off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash moment, E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash moment. 8sleep.com slash moment. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, you said you never, 10 years ago, no one would have thought about takedown, but... With yeah, I mean, my cyni- it, with a but with a cynical sort of look at the media, I think probably the Guy Fieri piece, the Per Se piece, and this piece are gonna turn out. I mean, I read that New Yorker article which said clearly the Guy Fieri was your most read of that year, the fifth most read in the New York Times or something that year. Um, 
And, I, you know, I wonder how much you think about the fact that to reassert your place in as the most important food critic that you have to do one of these every year or so, a couple of years. I, I mean, I think you are probably right. And that's something that I don't think about. Um, uh, except that if you're a critic and you like everything, uh, it becomes really confusing to readers, I think. It becomes really uncertain what you're for. You have to be against something, I think, to be for anything. You know, there has to be, I think, you know, the Times system goes from zero, which is like, I don't know, poor, fair, satisfactory. So we have some gradations within zero, which already sort of tells you that no stars isn't isn't necessarily supposed to be a slam. There's like some subtlety in there. And then we have one, two, three, four. Well, nobody ever wants to get one. One is like yes. the participation trophy. Nobody, Nobody's ever happy with one. The readers aren't happy with it. I've had people say, I see a one star on your review and I turn the page. You know, So no, no one likes it. But you need to have the one stars or the two stars don't mean anything. Sure. And you have to have... Some there have to be things, but there's there's a zero like. star review like your Don Pepe's review where you're basically like you should go check out Don Pepe's zero stars. Uh, did I give them? I give them one. I think. Did I think you gave him zero? No, I believe I you. So. No, I believe you. I'm I've sure you're right. Like that, I'm I sure had, you're right. I had 21 where I said I like this restaurant. It's no stars. And right, you know oh, that maybe that was the one. Yes, Luger could have come out that way too. Where where in, if I felt you know there was still. I could still recommend it and say, go, you'll have a good time. I could have done a, there's a world in which I could have done a positive zero star Luger review. Right. But that's not, but, but the question is, are you aware of the fact that when you, are you aware ahead of time that when you do a takedown, like the three I just mentioned, that it, surfaces you beyond just your loyal readers to a group of people who can be reminded, oh, there's this guy who's funny and smart writing these reviews for the Times. And, and because I think, I think restaurateurs think that that's the case. Do that well. And I wonder whether that lands for you. What does that get How much me? that? Do I get a bonus at the end of the I'm year? I'm asking. No. I don't, I'm just like, I'm asking. You know, do I, I, like, the, there's no incentive for me. And if I wanted... That I could do it. How often could I do it? Once a month? I mean, uh, you know. Well, would it still have the same impact if you did it once a month? As well, I mean, what are we even talking about here? <laughs> like, well, I, this is some, this is something. Well, that we're I talking about the dying media. That I apparently really lust after fame, yeah. but I only allow myself to indulge in it once a year. I mean, does that make sense? No, no it's a, the question is more. No, I'm, I'm glad to give you the chance to answer it, um, be, because I. The idea that in the current media landscape where people, these jobs are all disappearing. Many of these jobs are disappearing. Yeah. And you have one of the only kind of sinecures left. And it's, it, 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 it can make people cynical about why you do what you do. So let me frame it a different way. Why do you do what you do? Why do you, 
why do you dig both sides of this? What is it about this gig and about talking about restaurants that that really matters to you if it's not about, which I, I know it's not, it's not about getting clicks or, you know, becoming famous? Well, I, I just think it's a, it's such a great subject. It was such an incredible subject. Even just sticking to New York City without Lee. I mean, I've done stuff outside the city. Um, uh, for a while, I was doing more. I haven't done much of that lately. Um, uh, but just sticking inside the city, it's crazy. It's just crazy how, like, it never stops. It never ends. You know, I was out in uh, Elmhurst and Jackson Heights on Friday night walking around and, like, went into this food court that I'd heard might be kind of good and it was I'm not sure it's really going to make it but there was some interesting stuff in there and then I was well, there's this whole strip of Thai restaurants on on Broadway and Elmhurst and there's like more of them than I remember every single time I'm like well, I didn't know that was there and then uh, and then I was walking on Roosevelt in, in Jackson Heights where all the like the taco trucks are and the Colombian places and the Ecuadorian places and and I probably walked maybe half a mile, and I was like, there is more here than any one person can ever know, you know? And you want to proselytize for all that you stuff. Just, well, you just like, you just, I mean, I just want people to think about what they're in the middle of here, which is something serious. And it's fine if you only want to go to the restaurant at the end of your block and get the same thing every week, and I understand that and support it, but... But holy cow, there is so much around. There's like so many, like slice it any way you want, the sort of socioeconomic strata, the, the, the you know, various immigrant groups that have come, and then the, and then the, the, the pure ambition of chefs who just want to put themselves on the map and that's an amazing spectacle. Somebody who's got talent and will and just wants to be known, and the and you're seeing them at the start of their career like that. Those are incredible things to be a part right? of. Compelling yes, and, and that's what I, and I want to say. You know, I've been with you in restaurants where you've loved a restaurant. Uh, one, I was with you at uh, Rocco Despirito's place, which was like his big comeback, and watching you really dig his that food. And, and really and, not knowing when when I walked in, which way it was yes, going to go. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Walking, yeah. you, you, listen, a famous chef kind of like, um, not run out of the city, but like it didn't go well last time. Uh, who knows what he's going to bring? And then the food was magical. And watching you realize it and love the food was really fun for me to watch. And it, it made me, uh, you know, I, I saw somebody like excited to spread the word that this guy was back. Um, and do you get off on that as yeah. much as you get off on yeah, I mean, writing? That's a, great, the- that's a great story. I mean, that's a great story. It's, it's somebody who, you know, has whose career had gone in a way that made a lot of people cynical about him. Uh, and you get to say, like, hey, guess what? This is, you know, he always could cook, A, and he still can cook. Um 
uh, and, and yet to tell people that's amazing. I mean, it, yeah, I, yeah I, I, of course, I mean, I vastly prefer good news to bad news. That's why I only do these negative reviews once a year or so. A lot of them I walk away. I mean, you have no idea how many. No, you and I went I to mean, a bad you, steakhouse together and yeah. you were like, I'm not going to, yeah. you said, I, it's yeah. not, I don't want to do that. Right. It be fine for something else, a feature, yes. you know, where you didn't have to kind of render say, a final up judgment, down, right? Yes. Um, uh, it, truth be told, I think 90% of the restaurants in the city would get no stars. If I reviewed everything, which is physically impossible, you know, but it, it would, and nobody's ever even tried it, even like the big biggest guidebook that ever existed nobody tries to review everything if you did it all most of it almost all of it would be no stars and then you've got this little tip of the iceberg up here where things get interesting you mean where they rise to the level yeah and they could be these could be perfectly good no star restaurants that do their job serve their their clientele serve you know are there for a purpose and and do it perfectly well, but there's just a star is a star. A star is is something special. It's like you you've you've risen above the pack, you know. Yes, um, but taking away stars is also a special thing. Right? Yeah, but you have to start with zero. I mean, you. I mean, that's how I do it. At least I, I start with zero. Even and at I, per se, even when yeah. you walked into per se, I've started like like they've got to earn these. They've got to earn these stars. Per se was hard because it was just so confusing. It was just, it was confusing. There were things that were good and things that had, like, they put huge amounts of thought and effort into and then things that made no sense to me. Um, it was very hard to come up with a star for that one because you're obviously in a quote-unquote four-star restaurant, except you're not having a four-star experience. So that math became really complicated. Well, oh, so this reminds me um, of something that I wanted to cover and it had to do with when we were at Rocco's restaurant, you were recognized. And then this whole kind of kabuki theater plays out. Um, and and it's depicted so well in, in The New Yorker. And um, but and I understood, you know, the the line a friend of yours said was uh, it's like the Van Halen rider where they would say, you know, no brown MMs, and the reason was if David Lee Roth always said if there were brown M&Ms, I knew other stuff would be fucked up and I'd have to really check. On the other hand, it it did strike me as, and, and in the article they say, you know, you and Dave Chang met eyes. Now you guys know each other. And it says you met eyes, but but neither one of you said hello to the other. And, and I've been thinking a lot about this since the Peter Luger review. I've been thinking a lot about the anonymity with which you go through the world. And... Um, isn't it a little bit like an actor saying, don't look me in the eyes or something? Like, it's a little... I weird. don't say that. No, you would never say that. But it's what I'm saying. The way, you know, you hear about, like, John Travolta or someone going, like, you know, <laughs> nobody's allowed to look Mr. Travolta in the eye when he's walking on the set. I don't have my people say that either. <laughs> no, but but uh, but on the other hand... We'll say it right you, now. You can look me in the eyes. It's okay. Right. Well, eventually, a chef came over... It makes me uncomfortable, and, but, uh, but it's okay. You can do well, it. Why does it make you uncomfortable? Um, Why should you be anonymous? Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, to, this to me is the. This is like the kernel, the core of of why I try to keep my distance. Um, that that interaction at the table, because um, when 
when there's a a notable personage in the room, and it could be you, or it could be someone in food media, an editor at a magazine, or uh, or one of the many, many, many food writers who doesn't try to try to stay uh, incognito, or or I, I prefer just pseudonymous. That's my mm-hmm. whole thing. It's just not using my own name. Um, when that somebody like that is recognized. There's a whole ritual of something, you know, has to happen to show that they were recognized. A dish must come out. Chef just wanted you to try this. He's working. He's not sure if this is any good and he wants your opinion. Let, just tr- try it and, and let us know. Um, uh, and then Chef comes out later. So what did you think of that? I'm still working on it, you know. Um, and uh, uh, all of this is hugely flattering. And the point of it is that it is hugely flattering. The point of it is to make the person sitting in the chair feel special, feel like a... And if that starts happening to me and it gets inside my head, it affects my ability to write. And I know how it works. It's, it's, you know, when you get comp to dish, it's not that you didn't have the 750 for the Jerusalem artichokes they're comping you, or you even wanted the right. Jerusalem comp to it's, it's that they comped you because you're Here, a big deal. Can I tell you another way to look at it, I think? I think another way to look at it is this. You're giving an unfair advantage to the wealthier, to, the, to restaurants that have the resources to have sourced the picture of you train their staffs to look for you, focus on you. Because I know what the drill is when you walk into a restaurant from a lot of restaurateurs. And there is a huge drill. And it, you are getting, you're, it's worse in a way because you're getting an invisible special treatment. Yeah. As opposed to knowing it. Yeah. And oh, but I do know it. I mean, I kind of, yeah, but, I but, clock it. You know, yeah, but it's I, it's it. Uh, ge- I think it advantages the very people you're trying not to advantage. It advantages like the people who have your who who are able to do a certain kind of work ahead of time. Like I went to a restaurant with Danny Meyer recently, and that's not a name drop. He's been on here. People know that Danny and I are friendly. And I saw the care that went into taking. And by the way, the meal was unbelievable because these people were clearly firing the dishes three times. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it was a, a world class restaurant, a restaurant you've given many stars, an amazing restaurant. Yeah. But they had, knew it was Danny. They were shaking when they were bringing food to the table. Yeah. And it was incredible, right? We saw the very best that restaurant can do. I went there another time anonymously. Um, and uh, I had a really good meal. And But there were. Things that weren't nearly as good as the night that I went with Danny. Yeah. But uh, it, it seems to me like you're, you're never going to get the typical experience in a restaurant that has certain kind of resources. Yeah. And so I why... Think sh- I think you're right. So I, why shouldn't I mean, you just I mean, be who you are? Inarguably, you're yes. right. So why shouldn't you just be P. Wells and let people well, take their shot and say, I'm not going to accept free food. Like, guys, I'm not going to accept free food. You can say hi to me, but you can't work me. And, like, but be, because it would just, like, even the playing field. It wouldn't, though. Why? Because there would still be the places that, that don't. I mean, they could put my face on the front page of the paper, and it, I don't think it would substantially change the number of places where I'm recognized, you know? There would still be the places. 
Well, if you made you know, the reservation under your name, I'm saying. Like, right. if you just were, oh, hey, it's Pete Wells. Name? Like Adam Platt does now, right? I don't think he uses his name. I think he still uses a, uses an, an assumed name. I think he. As does. A, I'm just talking about it as a, as, a, as a way to actually, because I think what you're trying to do is democratize a process that can't be democratized. I think that's. And whereas you could democratize the process if you true. just used your name, and you were just who you are. Anything. I don't think it would change anything. There's still places where, like Don Pepe's. They wouldn't, right? Right. You think they wouldn't have known P. Wells, regardless. And if I don't go to a a substantial number of those places, I'm not really doing my job. If I only go to the places where they've got my picture on the wall, you know, that's a little sliver of highly capitalized, conscious places that that are playing the game. And not everybody in New York is playing the game. Those are some of the most interesting restaurants. The ones that are not playing the game. The ones that the aren't game. playing the yes. game. That don't care if, well, you know. Yeah, but, but I think we're. Don't yeah. care enough I, to stay on top I, of I like, what say, my latest hairstyle is, you know. Yes, sure. Of course. By the way, it looks great. Thank you. Really, Thank really, you. really terrific. Very natural, right? Uh, and that's a, that kind of Fu Manchu you have going. I don't know what, <laughs> what, what one calls that with the thing right in the center. That's yeah. really. A, a, hours of. I can tell it's hours of maintenance and it's impressive. Um. What kind of work do you do in order to keep improving at your craft? And I think, and you know, to understand more, to give everyone a fair shake, and then also the writing, like break it out. Like, how do you think about the way you want chefs to keep growing and moving and progressing? How do you think about going deeper? Um, boy, that I mean, that it never ends, really. I think, um, um, this is a little. The, the craft question is a little bit connected to, to like, you know, what's a good palette? Who has a good palette? And my theory on that after, after like being, do, doing this for, I don't know what, 20, 25, maybe more years, um, is that a good palette is just the knowledge that you've accumulated and the memories you've been able to hold on to, the sense memories and your ability to connect what's in your mouth with something that you know. And it may be you knowing the name of a spice, or it may be knowing the whole history of a dish and how it's changed and what, you know, what it was originally cooked for and what it's used for now and what are the 10 different variations on it that I've eaten in the last year and where does this fall in that but that that to me is sort of is the the, all of that is the palette and 90 percent of it is in the head um uh and and then there's a sort of a effort of the will to connect the mouth to the head because it it, it, they don't want to go together always you know and what do you do to Uh, stoke it and to keep improving um Huh, you know, we go out a lot, you read, you stay curious, um, you never uh, assume that you know anything, you know, and uh, um, 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 and then, you know, eating is, if you, it should be a conscious act, I think, right? It's a, it's not, it's not a passive thing where the flavors wash over you and you, and then you later you you write down your impressions with your with your quill pen. You know, it's a it's an active 
thing. And if I think if you've eaten with me, you see like I go back for another taste. And the, sometimes I like fall silent, not like in a reverie or anything, but just because I'm trying to think and I, I become a pretty bad conversational partner for a while. Um, um, sometimes I, I just like space out because I'm trying to remember something or concentrate on it. Um, it's it's active. And people who love food, I think, do this naturally, you know, yes. or faster maybe. They process it faster yes. than I do, and I, I just spend more time on it. But, but uh, um, and then, you know, on the, the other side of it is, like, trying to to go out and, like, like have cuisines that I haven't had before and and re, I mean I, I do like buy cookbooks and read cookbooks and like to challenge myself like this year I, I reviewed an Albanian restaurant for the first time and that was new to me so I went out and got a cookbook and I thought well this is great because now I'll, I'll read the book and I'll know what Albanian cuisine is but the restaurant's cuisine was different from the books right. because the restaurant was from the northern edge of Albania, and the cookbook was sort of talking about the area around the capital. And if it had, if the cookbook had been written by somebody on the coast, it would have been completely different. It would have been fish instead of dairy. So um, you just it, it it fascinates me because you can just keep going and going and going and going. You will never know it all. Yes, know? and you keep trying to push so you can understand right. as much of it as you can. And then and New it, York obliges me by 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 throwing something new at me all the time. And then when you have um and then as part of it talking to people you know feel the same not have the same opinion as you, but feel the same about food, like talking to Tom Kretschmar about Japanese food or talking to Gordon Air about where restaurants are going or whatever other friends of yours, Ed Levine about you know something right. me about pizza like uh, do you f- collect enthusiasts who yes. you bounce stuff off of yeah 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 because I think I mean you, you learn really quickly and if you don't learn it the internet will tell you like you're never going to know the most about almost anything I don't think there's anything I consider I, I would say I know more about this than anybody else you know I just I kind of know more than the average person, right? And then, but then there are people who like you know. When I was writing about slice, the, the slice joint, uh, uh, Mama's too on the yeah. site. I was talking to to um, some slice enthusiasts, and their knowledge of like the New York slice is like. Well, if you talk to Adam Cuban, for right, instance, right. like Adam it's knows just... a staggering amount about every slice. Yeah, K U B A N for people who want to know, like. Um, you, you know the, the amount that dude knows about pizza in New York is crazy, right? It's it's just remarkable, and and so and, you will uh, take advantage of. And that. I had never even thought about really like the slice as an aesthetic object before. I just thought of it as this you know great thing that we have you know as our birthright as New Yorkers. You can grab a slice and, and go. But I'd never studied it, and, when, and as soon as I needed to to know more about it, there were people who knew. Like areas of expertise on on within the slice sub sub specialties within the slice that I never even imagined. yes that's the amazing you know? thing about this city and about yeah. how fanatical people are. Um, do you think that the influence of the times is outsized, and do you weigh that when you decide what to do, when you decide which what to review and how you're going to talk about it? Do you allow yourself? 
to think about what you rendering judgment does in either direction? I mean, gosh, all the parts of that question are kind of connected. Uh, yeah, um, that's why I asked I, it. Our, um, we do, I hope, have some influence even even in this age when when nobody knows what the truth is and 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 when you know a lot of people are getting their information about restaurants from different sources and you know people i think make their dinner choices based on a picture they saw which is not wrong i mean that's a rational way to decide that looks delicious i want to go get it you know that's that's perfectly rational and i think maybe a more direct way of getting to the reality of food than reading a thousand words with somebody who tries to vary a sentence structure, you know, but, um, but we're, you know, we have maintained, the Times has maintained some, some of its, its respect and authority and partly just by, um, trying to be respectable, you know, by trying to be respectable, by 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 not not taking free meals, by like sure. whatever it is that I think I'm getting out of not reserving under my own name, we can agree or disagree about that. But it's it's at least you know I'm not swanning in with six of my friends saying, ah, oh, you know, I didn't make a reservation, but you can fit me in. Sure, yeah. oh, of course, you know, that's a wildly these, different. Right. Um, Yes, that's a wildly different thing than what you than what I'm talking about right. by you making but a I mean, reservation on your own. The, name. You know, yes. the 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 reputation of the Times. It, I like the Swan in, by the way. It doesn't maintain say, itself. It has to. Yes. The reputation of the Times has to be like you know. But what about the outside influence the, of I'm it? The present and, caretaker. And do you, you know? think about that though? Do you think about when you are rendering, you know, judge rendering, you know, when when you are saying. This is good or bad. The fact that you are the current representative of the New York Times and that you're going to have a huge influence on the immediate fate of that place. How much do you think about it? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's one of the reasons I don't do these negative reviews more than once a year. So it's one of these reasons I, you know, I've been to, we were talking about my theory that 90% of the restaurants in the city are zero stars. I don't write about 90% of the restaurants in the city. There are all sorts of places I go to and say, okay, sayonara. <laughs> right, I'll go once, you know? I'm not going to write about I'm you. I'm just not going to write. We, well, we talked about the steakhouse, right? Um, there are many of those, as many as like one a week. So Where you're like, well, this I, isn't I just, right. It's not, you know, I, I uh, remember seeing something um, in the an old... Gail Green review where she said, you know, she'd gone someplace and decided it, it realized it wasn't good enough or bad enough to write about. And that's sort of where, where a lot of stuff was, lives. The extremes are interesting. The good extreme is automatically interesting. The bad extreme is interesting if the if the subject's inherently When will you check back in if a place is remediated? Not exactly, but like do you think it's fair that at some point per se get another gets another look? Oh yeah, I th I think they, they if there's news there you know it's it, yeah if you know someone's taken your because i thought keller's response yeah. was fascinating and that he obviously tried to get back you know it was like well i'm gonna look into this right so you would you would look again at a place yeah i mean we, we yeah on the other hand like we are not the michelin guide we don't we don't have like yes it's impossible 
it's impossible to say I'm going to reassess every significant restaurant in the city once a year. Or no, then that's all you'd do. Two, that's right? all you could really yeah, do, that, right? That's so, right. And then there would be a sort of a, a, a chosen set. Then it's hermetically sealed. That, yeah. You can't do that yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. What, so just to go back, I, I, a couple Luger things that I want to get back to. Um, what do you think the purpose of a restaurant is that's been here for 100 years? Like, who is it serving? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, I uh, guess, when I was yeah, trying the to... the 100-year restaurants, that's so great. Which that's is so like great. Peter Luger. Like, that's so great. So well, let's talk about McSorley's for a minute. Sure, like we can connect those things. Do you have, a, have any feeling I have that? great feeling for McSorley's. Okay. Positive feeling, right? Yeah, positive feeling. I mean, cheese and, and onion. We, I mean, you're going to get onions, but... Cheese and onions, right? Yeah. Which is sort of like the Luger tomato and onion, yeah. right? It's sort of the same era and yeah. the same... And I like that light... I mean, the light ale, yeah, I could drink a good amount of it. I don't even love beer, but like that light ale means mm-hmm. something to me. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes they have the chili with the saltines that you, you crackle over the top, right? And the, um, and they have that little burger that's not so not so bad. And uh, But none of it's significant in a culinary sense, right? That would be sort of crazy to talk about, but it's an awesome place. And, you know... I thought Peter Luger was an awesome place until recently. I think it couldn't regain its awesomeness. I think that, that you know, that could very well happen. I have, I came away from my look at it feeling that they'd kind of taken their eye off the road. What, what do you think it says that for the next few days the place has been jammed with loyalists who are practically protesting the review with placards. That's great. I mean, that's great. I hope they're all getting great steaks. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, so a restaurateur friend of mine said, uh, he said, and this is a restaurateur you've uh, highly rated his, uh, it's not, I want to be really clear, not David Chang. Um, you've uh, very highly rated his restaurants and he likes you a great deal, this person. But, uh, but you know, but, but no. It's not all good news. No, but he said, I noticed that you commented on the bad hospitality at Luger's, but I don't really remember you commenting that frequently on great hospitality. Oh, that's interesting. And do you think that that's... <laughs> you know, that, that, that may have something to do with what you were talking about a minute ago where I get absolutely uh-huh. soigné service but it's supposed to be totally normal but i know it's not just happening right so i think i get i experience often a level of service that the normal person will never see and i don't go on and on about it and i may not write about it at all because you know i know it's fake you know it's like so if it's, well, it's I, real I, it's not no fake, i understand but, yeah. so you're yeah. saying because you know you've been spotted or you assume it you can't assume that that's the service everybody's getting. I don't assume. And I, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, hospitality is so the, much a part of why people go. So I thought it was a good question that he asked. Well, what is, I do write about what I, when I do write about hospitality off often it's when something really interesting is how a big lapse or an, or an interesting I'm fascinated by mind reads, you know, when the, when the when the um, server um, Gives you something just before you realize you don't you're missing it, you know. Yes. Or, um, um, or when they read the table so perfectly and they know that you know that they can like I, I wrote about this once. A waiter like like used a word that I won't even use on the microphone, but the, the at the table, and it would just 
was perfect in that moment. It just it sort of dropped and dispelled the tension instead of dropping and leaving a lingering uh-huh. smell. And you so know? you wrote about right. it and mentioned it because yeah, right. you felt like, okay, right. this makes sense. I mean, that kind of service that's just above and beyond where there's a human element and something and something interesting happens that a machine wouldn't do like that fascinates me just getting the food on time uh, well that's you know, not great that- hospitality no of course <laughs> right no of right, course right well, um, I loved reading in The New Yorker about how you use Brian Eno's oblique strategies sometimes, which I had started doing 30 years ago oh, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. More maybe. Like when it was on, I bought the card set. Oh, you know, yes. Now it's online. But I had the card yeah, yeah, set yeah. when I was in the record business, like making records. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, But it made me think like the way you relate to artists, because when, when we have dinner, we're talking about music and books and, and movies and TV. And, and it's clear the way you think about people who make great art. And I... It, I wonder. Um, I wonder what your own artistic ambitions are, Peter. Like, like to the extent to which there's other stuff you want to also be writing, and how much you've thought about that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, 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 I, uh, I have never yet come up with a a good book idea, but I hope I hope I do someday. Um, it's, I was funny. I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, I, I draw sometimes like very rarely, but I'd like to do more of it. And I thought like, well, maybe a way to, to do more of it would be to actually like make it official and start giving, like giving these things away. So I was thinking like, like, God, I take all these bad photographs of food, but I could turn the bad photographs into bad art. And then give it away, give it away. I don't think that really necessarily answers answers your question i mean one of the things i like about about drawing and and painting is that uh, it's okay for me to be bad you know yes and i think if you if you're in any kind of like high pressure job where you're you're uh, expected to be good it's it's great to find something where you're allowed to be bad so uh yes i understand that completely like i write songs you know because um the stakes are low if I'm writing songs. Yeah. I'm writing them for me. I'll try to maybe get someone to sing it, but like I give myself great permission to suck at writing songs. I yeah, just try yeah, really yeah. hard not to. Right. But I might. Right. It's and like, I'm okay if it's I suck. The, it's the str- it's the struggle. I don't I, want I, to. Yeah. I really want to do yeah. it well, but if I, it's not All right, last things. And I I had written down um just this notion of Billy Joel and Peter Luger for myself because oh, when we first met oh, this is so difficult. Okay. Right. No. So I wrote down Billy Joel and Peter Luger because I was like, well, Pete Wells does not like Billy Joel and he doesn't like Peter Luger's. And I love both of those things. And um and you know, we probably, you know, on all these things, and 95% we'd agree, books, movies, music. But then when I think about Billy Joel and Peter Luger, I think these are places that make um specific people incredibly happy. And a lot of people, like you may say you looked around and not that many people were happy at Peter Luger's. I think the evidence that people, you know, uh, go there over and over and over and over and it's the most important thing their family does and it means something to them, means that they are happy. As I feel like Billy Joel fans are when they go to the garden. And I think that there's a real similarity in these things. And it's a it's a kind of not populism, but it's a kind of there's a you know Billy Joel writes these great melodies, uh, words that speak to certain kind of people. I'm one of them. I grew up on Long Island. Uh, I can't escape it. Peter Luger serves a certain kind of over the top steak uh, 
Spanish that tastes like a certain thing and a sauce that's both sweet and horseradishy. And that makes, that feels like um, the chorus to uh, Moving Out by Billy Joel to me. They hit me in the same way. And, and so I wonder how much does people's joy, like the, uh, the joy that people clearly get from this stuff matter to you? First of all, you clearly did not read my writer because it specifically states that Billy Joel's name shall not be mentioned <laughs> during any interview <laughs> that I conduct. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, furthermore, your question is invalid because it's based on a completely false premise. I mean, I th- I want What's the premise? I want Peter Luger to be the the great steakhouse that I have seen it be and that I've experienced and loved in the past and want it to be the best Peter Luger it can be. Billy Joel is already the best Billy Joel that he can ever be. There's no there's no <laughs> s- s- accusing Billy Joel of not living up to his potential. He it's has Billy Joelness. Right. No, he has fully embraced his Billy Joelness and expressed it in in the the fullest possible extent, you know? Peter this is more like, you know, if he ever did an album that you thought was disappointing. That's where I am with Luger right now. Billy Joel is another category of thing, which is like a blind spot. We'll call it a blind spot. You know, I like there's yeah. stuff that you recognize that there's quality there, and I, I, I'm never gonna say he's not talented. Of course, yeah. It's just that it's it's like the pleasure that. Part of it, it, it is misses not accessible you. Yes, to it me. misses yes. you. Yes. Whereas you feel Peter Luger or something, even if I'm seeing that, if that's what I see when I read your review, is that it doesn't hit your pleasure centers. You're saying it can and you oh, want I to agree. return no, to that place. I mean, that's place. why I sort of started with the whole thing about how I've been going for 30 years and and, and it used to make me feel one way, but lately it's not hitting it anymore. And, 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 uh, um, uh, and it's it's sort of like a breakup letter, you know that that review. You know who writes really great breakup letters in song? Billy Joel. I bet he does. Everybody, <laughs> listen. Here's the thing. He wills. Um, thank you, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I think people will be very interested in your thought process around all this stuff, and they should read you because you do take this all seriously and you work hard to do your job correctly. And even when I wildly disagree with you. Um, uh, that's why I tweeted out how fond I was of you, but how much I love Peter Luger. And that's what I believe. Um, and uh, uh, people can find... Now, you, you're back on Twitter or you're not? Yes, yeah, so sporadically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, what's your name I'm on kinda, there? I'm kind of there. Pete underscore Wells. And, um, and you're on Instagram and you post great pictures. And it's, it's great because... If you're about to review a place, you won't say where it is. It'll be some picture, but then eventually it'll show up. And, and it's fun. It's a fun game to sort of watch and see. And you can really get your regard for stuff when you through your Instagram, I think. Yeah. It's what a, moves yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not consistent with it, unfortunately. And, and, I, and I don't consistently take usable pictures. Uh, but I do, I do try to do – I try to put something in there that you're not going to get out of the review – it's yeah. really um, worthwhile. So, Pete, uh, thanks for doing this. Everybody else, uh, thanks for listening. You can find me at uh, Brian Koppelman on Twitter and the moment, bk at gmail.com, if you want to write me about anything. And um, if you see me eating in a restaurant with a guy who shaved it with a shaved head and uh, a Fu Manchu, it's likely Pete Wells. See you next time, everyone. Yeah.